Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This week, we are finishing up our Less is More series. So it's a series where we follow John's life, John the Baptist, and we're understanding, like, how can we follow his example and live like him? The first week, we talked about witnessing boldly, how we, we don't want to mince our words. He, he, he said, hey, look, that guy over there, Jesus, he's the Messiah. You go follow him because he's the one you should be following. Don't worry about me. I'm here as a setup man for him and how we can live our lives showing people that Jesus really is what we should be pointing at. Like, you see me, I get that, but look over there, there's Jesus. That's who you should be following. That's who I'm chasing after. And the second week, Pastor Steve was out here, and, and he talked about giving generously of all of our resources and our time and our money to advance the kingdom, that we should be people who give generously, who don't hold anything back. And then last week, we talked about serving. And I just want to say Thank you for everyone who filled out a serving card. That was fantastic. Uh, there were like 31 of you who filled out a card. And most of you who have already volunteered somewhere didn't fill out a card. So cool. That works. Um, but we want to get you plugged in. I'm sending out a list to our, um, our, our team leads of each of those areas so that you can actually get plugged in and start serving in the areas you volunteered. We're holding you accountable to what you wrote on that card. If it was in a whim, I'm sorry, we're still going to call you. Um, but one thing I want to highlight is we, we changed out our connection card. So if you didn't have a chance last week to volunteer in any of those um, capacities, your connection card on the back, Gabe, would you flip that over for us? There it is. Yeah, right on the back there. Um, it has areas where you'd like to serve and how often you'd like to serve. If you want to sign up to, to commit to do what God has called you to, then fill out that card and drop it in the offering as it comes by. And because I completely forgot that I was doing offering this morning, will the ushers come forward? Uh, we're going to do offering now. Yeah. I just started into my sermon. No, Hannah's in children's, uh, Pastor Hannah's in, in, uh, in the children's church this morning, so um, she normally does this part, and then I follow her, and I forgot. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. Serving twice today. Um, but if you've come prepared to give, if you haven't, awesome. But uh, fill out a connection card if this is your first time or you're visiting here or you're new here. Just fill out a connection card. We'd love to uh, get to know you a little better. Um, but this morning, God, would you just bless everything that we give? God, we know that when we give to you, you do not waste what we've given that it's a resource that you had given to us in the first place. That we give back to you as an act of obedience. We give our tithe, our 10%, and our offerings on top of it. God, bless this, this gift. Bless this offering. And do so much to reach the people of Topeka with your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So back to me, uh, you know, back to the sermon, because we needed that little offering break there. Yes. There, they should be new ones in there for you. They should be, look different. Yes? Ever got, ever got a connection card? Yes? Yeah? Not a lot of, like, nodding back. So I was, yes, everybody's got a connection card. Good, good. Awesome. Um, yeah, we, we changed them out so they look a little different. 
Um, but that's good. They're different. Fun. Okay, so back to the sermon. Uh, so we, we talked about those things, and last week we talked about serving, and you guys signed up to serve, and that's awesome. We, we're so excited about that. This week we're going to conclude our series and look at this moment where, where, where John is kind of having a rough moment. He's having a rough time. Uh, but how many of you um, like movie reviews? Anybody like movie reviews? I, I, I'm a movie review junkie, right? Um, I love, have you guys heard of Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomatoes? Yes? Yes? Okay, so Rotten Tomatoes is this cumulative score of movie critics. They basically say, movie's good, it gets a thumbs up, so it's a yes or no. It's movie's good, movie's not good. And then they accumulate all those scores, and they give you a percentage, so it's percentage good out of your total number of reviews, and that's how you know how good a movie is, theoretically. Um, so Toy Story has 100%. Like, almost all Pixar just is like, they get, they get upper 90s every time. So they, they love it. But there's a few times where um, I think the, the critics get it wrong. And for any of you who don't know, my background, I, I studied film in college, so um, I literally have a degree in movies. So I love movies. I love them. And um, Zenobi loves movies as well. She just raised her hand. Um, and, and so there's this movie called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Has anybody seen that movie? It's, it's a great movie. It got a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. Isn't that garbage? That's garbage. Boo. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this is an appropriate time to boo. Since Hannah's not in the room, we booed her a lot for being a Broncos fan last year. We can't do that again next year. That's bad. She's not in the room, but just, just so you know, next year, when we say Hannah's a Broncos fan, don't boo, okay? Just... That, for my, my mental health, please do not boo, okay? Um, but The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, it got 51% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's one of my favorite, it was my favorite movie of 2013. Um, it, it, it's this, this thing where this guy's living this life that he, he does, he goes in, he goes to work, he does the same thing every day, and through happenstance, he goes on this adventure of a lifetime to find something that was with him the whole time. And there's this moment where he says, um, he, he finds this photographer, and they're sitting there, and they're looking, and they see this, this animal, and um, they, it's, they're astonished at the beauty of it, and the photographer looks at the animal, doesn't take the picture, and says, beautiful things don't ask for attention. And there's this moment in there where it's just like this swell up inside of me that's like, yes, that's it. That's so cool. That's awesome. But this morning, we're going to talk about a review that Jesus gave John. We're going to talk about this review that Jesus gives John. And it starts in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 7. It says this. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowd. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of John wasn't somebody that got swayed, right? Like, he's, he's this guy that is, like, so firm in what he believes that he knows exactly what he's going to do, right? He, he walks up to Herod and goes, hey, you're living in sin. And Herod throws him in jail. And later we find out that he's beheaded by Herod. And so 
John does not mince his words when he's talking. He says things so specifically. So uh, did you go out in the wilderness to find somebody who's swayed easily? No, that's not who John is. Okay, so Jesus gives us another, another option. Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Again, he's going, hey, did you, did you expect a, a ruler? Did you expect somebody who was going to reign over the, this earthly kingdom like you think that I'm going to do later? No, that's not who John is. John isn't a king who lives in a palace or a rich person who lives in a palace. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, he is more than a prophet. The crowds went, went to the desert to see this first prophet that had been sent in four centuries, right? This is the first prophet that we see recorded that's been sent in four centuries. And they go out there into the wilderness to see this person who is speaking for God. So he's trying to say to them, hey guys, remember, you weren't looking for somebody who flip-flops. You weren't looking for a ruler. You were looking for a prophet. You were looking for this specific person. He's got spokesperson that calls the nations to repentance. And then it says this. John is the man to whom the scriptures were referring when they say, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before, me, before you. I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Now that's a review, right? Jesus walks onto the scene and goes, nobody's greater than John the Baptist. He's the best, man. But then he does something really weird. He, the next, literally the next sentence out of Jesus' mouth, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Now, does that like push back against us? Like Jesus is like, hey, this guy's the best, but he's not better than everybody else that's in the kingdom. And what he's saying here is that John is the culmination of all the Old Testament. He's the, he is the putting together of every promise and every moment leading up to the Messiah. And so he is the greatest of this Old Testament time. But we are living now in this moment where the kingdom of God has arrived. And those who follow Jesus, those who see the fulfillment of, of the kingdom of God are greater. And John will be included in that. But John the prophet, the predecessor to Jesus, is great. He's the greatest of the Old Testament, even though he, you know, squeaks his way into the New Testament. But everyone, everyone who believes in Jesus is, is, is what Jesus is talking about. He's believing, believing in him as the Savior. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly advancing, and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses were looking forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. Everyone with ears to hear listen, should listen and understand. Now, Jesus is yet again pointing to the Old Testament, right? So, so he was like, this guy's Elijah. This isn't Elijah reincarnate. It's, it's John the Baptist. But Jesus is having this moment. He's pointing back to uh, Malachi 4, 5, and 6. And it says this. 
Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. These are the last two verses of the Old Testament. Did you know that? These are the last two verses of the Old Testament. In this moment, Malachi is saying, hey, we're sending a prophet like Elijah. And you see, actually, in the New Testament, you see that Jesus calls John the Baptist Elijah here, but then we see at the transfiguration, Elijah literally comes. And so we see both a, a metaphorical and a literal translation of this verse that comes to light in the New Testament. But it's interesting to me that we see John as the, as the guy that sets up Jesus, but he's also the guy who closes out the Old Testament. He is the literal prophecy that they're calling out in 5 and 6, four, Malachi 4, 5 and 6. Now, Jesus is going to go on to do something else, but have you ever noticed that on like Facebook and Twitter, people like get mad just to be mad, no matter what? Like, they're just, they're upset if you're one way, you're upset then those exact same people will be upset if you're another way. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> or let me ask this a different way. Have you guys ever spent any time on social media? Huh? Yeah, yeah. So, right, like people do this. They do this thing where they, they, they just want to be irritated. They want to be aggravated. And Jesus is calling this out in, in, in people. He says in verse 16, to what can I compare this generation it is like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends, we played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking and you said he was possessed by a demon. That's a, that's a, that's a horrible misunderstanding of who John is. That's a terrible review. That's, that's anybody who hated to Toy Story. Like they missed the point, right? The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard. And a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. So they're complaining both ways. John lived this very, like, set-apart life. He, he had this, this, this Nazarite vow. He, he had this, all this stuff, and he was set apart. And he did these very specific things. He ate locusts and honey, and there's debate whether that's locust, a, a little insect or if it's a nut there's debate on that um, but either way he ate those for dinner um, and and he and he, he stayed out in the wilderness and he preached this message of repentance and, and this baptism in water and then we go all the way over to the other side and Jesus is hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors and other sinners and so he's he's not specific on the sinners he likes to hang out with he's good with any any sinners he's he's like I'm gonna hang out with them all and he feasts and he drinks. And they're like, well, he's a glutton and a, a drunkard. So they, they, these religious people wanted to complain about something. And they found it in both extremes, right? They're mad at John for living one way. They're mad at Jesus for living the other way. So I, I want to point out something to you. Uh, remember that if it's not a sin issue, it's okay if a believer lives differently than you. It's kind of like, uh, I like soccer and you don't like soccer. We can still both be Christians, right? 
Uh, speaking of which, today's opening day at Children's Mercy Park, so I will be up watching Sporting Kansas City tonight because uh, soccer's the greatest sport on the, on the face of the earth. Uh, sorry all the football people that are shaking their heads at me. Um, uh, but yeah, you, you know, we can, we can differ on things that aren't sin issues, right? We can differ on those things and still be Christians. We can still, we can still follow after Jesus. We can live like John or we can, we can live like Jesus. And it's, it's okay. It's fine. Now, let's go back to uh, this, the, the, what sparks this speech from Jesus. And I, I specifically started about uh, eight verses into, into the text. Because there's something that sparks this review of John that Jesus has. And uh, it's really interesting. So John is in prison at this point. He had called out Herod. Um, Herod had taken um, his own brother's wife to be his wife, and John told him that's not cool, and uh, he got mad and threw him in prison. And so John's in prison, and he's at this, this, this fortress, and, and, and then we see Jesus is all the way in Galilee, and so it's about 100 miles away, right? And so if any of you guys have ever been to the Hickory Hut in Salina, Kansas, anybody been there? Oh, man, next time you're in Salina, go to the Hickory Hut. It's so good, good barbecue be there next time. But it'd be like walking from here, this very point, to the Hickory Hut in Salina to deliver this message because John's disciples can communicate with John, but they can't, like, they can't obviously get him out of prison and then walk him to Jesus to ask this question. And, and so it'd be like walking there. It's about a 36 or 37-hour walk according to Google, um, and that would be about just over three miles per hour walking. And so this burning question that John needs asked, it starts in Matthew 11 in verse 2, and it says this, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all about, or about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Doesn't this seem like, seem like a strange question, especially if we look back to like Matthew chapter 4? where he baptizes Jesus, and, it, and, and I'm just going to read through this real fast so you know the interaction with, with John, and it says this, then Jesus went from Galilee to, to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, I, or it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So John's seen this, that baptism experience, but he's having questions. He's in, he's in prison. He's having these questions. And some people think that um, John asks these questions for his disciples, that his disciples need to know the answer. So some commentators think that this is his way of saying, hey guys, you go talk to Jesus and this will sort out any question you have. Other people think that uh, John was, uh, was depressed from being in, in prison and he was losing heart and he needed, he needed to be reminded of who Jesus is. And so in verse four, um, his disciples have arrived at Jesus, and in verse 4, Jesus gives us his response. 
Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Jesus' answer is way more specific than we really think it is. It kind of sounds like his resume, right? Jesus is like, well, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. It sounds like a resume, and it is. It is what he's done. He has done this throughout the Gospels. But what he's actually doing is he's answering every single one of John's doubts with a specific statement. When he says the blind see, he's calling back to a prophecy in Isaiah 35, 5 that the Messiah would cure blindness. When he says the lame walk, he is referring to the next verse in Isaiah 30, 35, 6. When he says those with leprosy are cured, he's referring to the Isaiah 53, 4. When he says the deaf will hear. He's referring to Isaiah 35, 5 again. When he says the dead are raised, he's referring to Isaiah 26. When he says the good news is being preached to the poor, he's referring to Isaiah 61, 1. He is saying emphatically, with no minced words, I am the Messiah. He's answering every prophecy that John knows to look for. He's saying, you knew the scriptures. You knew it said, hey, when the Messiah comes, he's going to do this. I've done it. When the Messiah comes, he's going to do this. I've done it. When the Messiah comes, he's going to do this. I've done it. He's saying to John, I know you're in a place that is hard and it's rough, and maybe this isn't the full expression of what you thought when you were preaching the good news. But I'm the Messiah. And the kingdom of God is here. I came so that everyone can see and everyone can hear. And so the lepers would be cured. So the dead would be raised. That this disease of sin would be gone. John and his disciples needed this to see that Jesus was meeting and exceeding this messianic promise, this idea that he would be the Savior. Jesus is challenging John and all of us. The messianic age has come. The time of Christ is here. Don't let this temporary suffering keep you from eternal glory. That's why he gives us that line in verse 6, and he said, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. He gives us that verse and says, hey, I know maybe you aren't seeing the whole picture. I know maybe you don't understand that in this moment when you're in prison, and I know you're going to die at the hands of Herod. But know this, I'm the Messiah, and my promises are no less true now based on your circumstances or your suffering than they were when I said them and when you preached them. God blesses those who don't fall away 
who endure, who stay the course. It's like an extra beatitude that, that we get later that says, hey, perseverance is a blessing. And so we look forward, like Paul says in Romans chapter 5, And I think I have a different version that's going to be on the screen, but it says this, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces per endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been, who has been given to us. The band wants to come up as I close. This, these are the words of a man who had been shipwrecked. These are the words of a man who had been beaten and left for dead. These are a man who knew what it was like to suffer. This is a man who, who was in prison and, and didn't, actively pursue his escape even when he could have. God's still good. I mean, I mean, right? We're just dropping stuff left and right. Uh, no, no, it wasn't just Mike. Everybody, everybody's been dropping stuff today, so. Uh, right? It's, it's still good. <laughs> Suffering produces endurance, endurance hope, and hope will not put us to shame. And that's something we need to learn from John, that it's okay to live in this moment where we question. It's okay to live in this moment where I'm not sure. Like John's question of Jesus is not sinful. John's question of Jesus is going, I just need an answer. I just need to know again the goodness of who you are. It's okay to have, have these questions and want to ask God, hey, what does this mean? Are you really who you said you were? Because the truth is God is not going to let you down. He's not going to forget. He's not going to forget about you. And we're going to sing this, this next song. That's, it's called It Is Well. And it's a, it's a song so much about no matter what, I'm going to follow after you, God, because it's well with me, no matter what. The, this is a, a different version of the song, and, and the chorus goes like this. It says, through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. And that's what we have to remember in these times where we're in prison or we're suffering or we're having a hard time, is that if my eyes are fixed on God, I know that he's not going to let me down, that he's not going to miss the point. Then those moments where I doubt, like John, Jesus can emphatically reply, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm the Savior. I'm the one that will never let you down. Will you stand with us? God Thank you that you 
do so much for us. God, I'm so thankful that you forgive all of my, all my sin. I'm so thankful that you, you wash away all my wrongdoing. God, in these tough moments, in these moments where it's hard and it, and it hurts and we just don't know, thank you, God, that you answer back. God, thank you that you don't hide yourself from us. I love what your answer back to John and that each one is an answer of a prophecy that was told before. That you make the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the lepers are healed, and the dead will rise, and the good news is preached to the poor. God, you're so good. Sometimes we feel unworthy of your goodness. But your grace is enough for each of us. God, thank you. You are so good. In your name we pray, amen.